Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Tuesday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. We're looking back at Wednesday. <laughs> no, we're not. We're looking back at Monday. We can't look back at Wednesday. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, I see that. It's got off to a good start, hasn't it? Anyway, um, uh, we're going to find out why this July won't be as dry as some others. Uh, but before we do that, uh, what everybody has to say about Todd Muller. I mean, everybody, even Marcus. The new opposition leader has been in his role five minutes and is still finding his feet. Jack, ta- Jack needs to be more respectful. You know what I reckon? I reckon that the new leader should not be given any grace because he's new to the job, because he has rolled Simon Bridges. I think once you roll the old leader and say, hey, I need time because I'm just in the job, you can't do that. If you roll the guy because you think you're better, you've got to hit the ground running, you've got to have some policy, you've got to work out your answers, and you've got to work out how to wrangle the media. He deserves no honeymoon period, I don't think, because he said, hey, Bridge is no good, I'll do it. And they've clearly gone behind his back and rolled the guy. You've got to be great at the beginning. And probably he was only interrupting, interrupted by Jack Tame because you need to get answers because these politicians are great at not answering anything, particularly if you come from an advisory management background. Those people are never held to account. Management speak, it'll kill us all. And that's what these, they're not great listeners, a lot of these people. Okay, so uh, some people not happy with Jack Tame interviewing Todd Muller on uh, Q&A last night. Um, didn't see it. I was in this, all tucked up asleep in my nanos, of course. But, um, yeah, Jack Tay must have gone off at him, eh? Uh, yeah, is it a hard row to hoe for Todd Muller? Here's what Kay Hawksby thinks. Much of the commentary is about whether he can beat Jacinda. But Jacinda's not the government. He's already worked that part out, and that's clearly his playbook. She's the face and the voice, for sure. But as she says herself, she is but one member of a team. Many choose to forget that. But liking her is what's obviously moved many national voters to Labour. And while personality politics isn't new, what's critical is the team behind her who will run this country through the economic wilderness fast approaching, and that will take more than warm words. But given people are still a bit possum in headlights from COVID, given many are still in some state of fear or feeling raw and wanting the warm blanket of reassurance offered by Jacinda Ardern, how does Todd Muller tackle this? How does he take on the empathy juggernaut? How does he compete? Simon tried and failed clearly to be in opposition at a time when there was no public appetite for one. People wanted everyone to fall into line. Any criticism of the government was deemed disrespectful, unpatriotic and unfair. Do people still feel that way? If so, how do you even be an opposition? How do you set yourself apart? You can talk about the depth and strength of your caucus until the cows come home, but if people have become attached to one smiling face beaming at them for several months straight, are they even listening? That's what makes these next few weeks so fascinating. The clock is ticking. The media is clearly rattled. All they've managed to come up with so far is to be exhaustively offended at a MAGA hat souvenir in his office. I'd take that as a compliment if I was him. If that's all they've got, and if they're that panicked this early on, that's saying something. Given how quickly he deposed Simon Bridges, Muller can clearly move at pace. He'll need to. He is up against it. He's up against a public psyche that has been browbeaten by fear, lulled into a fairy tale of handouts, happy faces, teddy bears and lounge room floor Facebook lives. 
His gamble is that by September, more of us will want solid solutions rather than endless words of reassurance. Yeah, no, she's got me wrong there. I prefer the reassurance thing. Um, I'm not so bogged down in the facts and figures and you know realities. I just want to cuddle. That's me. Um, is that Kate? Is that uh, Kerry McIver? Or what does she want? Does she want anything at all? When I was in Cuba, I bought a Fidel Castro T-shirt. Does that mean I support communism? No. No, it doesn't. It means I was in Cuba and bought a Fidel Castro T-shirt because that's what you do when you're in Cuba. But I did have people, you know, talk back texters and emailers saying I was obviously a communist by choosing to holiday in Cuba. It made me deeply made them deeply suspicious of my motivations. But no, I think anybody who's listened to me on Talkback would know that I don't necessarily support the principles of communism. And going to Cuba was a holiday. That's all it was. If it looks like a holiday, feels like a holiday, you have a mojito on holiday, it's just a holiday. It doesn't mean I support communism. And accepting a MAGA hat or buying one, along with the Hillary Clinton buttons and the Obama memorabilia, just means that it's a moment in time. For goodness sake, the people who know Todd Muller say that he's a decent human being. I would rather believe the opinions of people who actually know him than believe the ravings of keyboard commentators who are interviewing their typewriters. It's nuts. And Dale, I'm sorry, but, you know, seriously, if you're not going to vote for him based on the fact that he's got, A, that he's a male parkier, you know, and that he's got a, a MAGA hat, you know, then you vote, I would have to question whether it was worth having in the first place. Um, I'm not racist, but when you see uh, Muller, Kay and Adams all standing there together, um, they really do look like they've just been put in a bucket of bleach and left overnight, don't they? I'm just, you can't, it, it's, you almost have to adjust the contrast on your TV, it's quite glaring. Um, but uh, are they guaranteed to save the economy if we vote for them? Is it true that uh, you know nationals better at the economy than Labour is? Here's Tim Roxburgh on that. The idea that that debt escalates under left-wing governments in New Zealand and is brought under control by right-wing governments is not borne out by research. Another article, and this is a New Zealand one from a couple of years ago. So uh, under Helen Clark and Michael Cullen, the fifth Labour government reduced debt from 22.6% of GDP in 2002 to 5.5% in 2008. The same article says that that Labour government went from a $386 million deficit in 2001 to a $2.8 billion surplus in 2008. Again, I think that Key and English, they did the right thing, that we had to borrow after Christchurch and with the GFC. Uh, but debt as a percentage of GDP went from 9.1% in 2009 to 24.6% in 2016. Now, another really key point here, and this has also been written about extensively, which is that people will often tut-tut about government debt as if it really affects people's lives. Um, but it doesn't necessarily. And uh, from Victoria University School of Government, there's a chap by the name of Toby Moore. He's quoted as saying, people's lives are not automatically made better or worse when public debt goes from 20% of GDP to 15% or 25%. So when governments uh, have debt to invest in infrastructure, it's actually a good thing. Now, all of this, let's not get too muddled 
in all the numbers, but I think the numbers are fascinating. Just so you know, the next time either you say it or somebody else says it, we all know that the economy is better under a right-leaning government. It's not necessarily true. Now, they might have the policies that you want and then by all means absolutely vote for them, but the notion that it's just an accepted truth that they're better with the economy is actually not backed up by any research. Yeah, I bet there is some research out there that does back it up, though. I mean, this is... 2020, you can find research to back anything up these days. Um, I would certainly like to find some research that says dry July is very bad for us. And I'm pleased to hear that this year it's only going to be dry-ish. Surely changing from dry July to dry-ish July completely defeats the point. Well, some might think that, but actually we'd like to think the complete opposite. Um, we know, we acknowledge it's been a challenging year um, for a lot of people. And so that's why we decided to make getting involved in Dry July this year a little bit easier. But we still want people to uh, fundamentally do the, the original 31-day challenge. But we also wanted to open it up to a broader audience and get as many people as possible to take on a period of abstinence this year. And that's why we introduced Dry July-ish, um, Dry July, sorry, to look at doing 14 days or 21 days, or people can actually even nominate their own time period to take a break from alcohol. But in admitting this, in making the change, you've actually admitted that when faced with life challenges, uh, drinking is acceptable as a coping mechanism. Well, we, d we actually don't believe that ourselves. We like to see it as a way that people can still come together, support some really important causes that need vital fundraising dollars now more than ever. And we saw it as an opportunity to get as many people involved as possible and um, set themselves this challenge. Uh, look, it's a health challenge at the end of the day. If people are taking a break, they'll feel some health benefits such as maybe weight loss, um, feeling more productive through having a clearer head, sleeping better, and a great sense of achievement. Um, look, we see it as a great opportunity for people to revisit their relationship with alcohol. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fan of Dry July because I'm such a fan of alcohol. I'm definitely the wrong person to talk about this whole issue. Anything I say, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's possible I'm under the influence right now. Um, I'm so out of control, I have no idea. Uh, so, yeah, obviously my relationship with alcohol is turbulent. Um, it's committed. But I do have to agree with Andrew that I think it's kind of ridiculous. You're either one thing or the other. Uh, you can't say, oh, you've had a hard time recently, so have some drinks. I don't think, I think that is a bad message, probably. Or, or exactly the right message, but it's bad. Oh, man, I'm so confused. Uh, I agree as you'd be. That was funny. And I will see you back here again for more funny stuff uh, on News Talks you've been tomorrow.